One of the most influential factors in my running success was joining the local running groups in town. I started with the trail running group so I wouldn't get lost in the woods, and then I was convinced to start going to the Tuesday night track workouts. I was pretty intimidated the first time going. Would everyone be faster than me? Would I be able to handle the workout? I decided I had nothing to lose, so I showed up to the local running store and jogged with the group to the track. While some of the people stood around chatting, waiting for the workout to begin, others started doing some pretty strange looking exercises. Legs were swinging side to side and forwards and back. Grown men in tiny shorts were doing exaggerated skipping and hopping. And some people looked like they were practicing for a line dance, doing the grapevine back and forth. I gotta say, it all looked a little weird and silly, but then I thought, wait, should I start swinging and skipping too? Of course, now I know that all those pre-workout drills and routines have a specific purpose. Just jogging the mile and a half to the track is really not enough of a warm-up to optimize performance for a hard workout. Those weird, silly rituals do have specific benefits, not only for the workout you're about to do, but can impact your running fitness overall. Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. Today, I've invited Dr. Owen Everard to get into the science of the warm-up. You'll learn what's going on inside our bodies as we warm up, what kinds of warm-ups should be done for what runs and races, and how a good warm-up routine can enhance not only the run you're about to do, but your overall running fitness as well. Owen is a physiotherapist with a PhD in biomechanics. He's also a sub four minute miler, a sub 14 minute 5K runner, and a five time Irish national champion in the 1500 and the 3000. He is the founder of Everard Pilates and has written a book called How to Get the Line in the Best Shape Possible, which you can get for free on his website. Of course, we'll have all those links in our show notes since you're probably on the run right now. Owen really is a wealth of knowledge, both as a scientist and a competitive master's runner. So if you are looking to level up your running, this conversation will have some really great ideas for you. Don't forget to stay tuned all the way to the end of the episode for another Mental Strength Minute where you can fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. I also want to mention that we've very quietly started a YouTube channel, of course, called The Planted Runner. I'll be filming every episode of the show from now on and posting them to the channel. So if you love video, please head to YouTube and subscribe. And for those of you watching me on YouTube right now, you're ahead of the curve. And now here's my conversation with Dr. Owen Everard. Welcome to the Planted Runner, Owen. Claire, thanks so much for having me back. Uh, really, really enjoyed our last conversation. So uh, delighted to be back on the podcast. 
Yeah, absolutely. So today we are going to dive down deep in the topic of warmups. So let's talk about the purpose of a warmup. What exactly is going on in the body? Yeah, I think it's it's similar to um, a diesel car. Now we don't have many of them <laughs> left, but it's it's that thing of warming up the engine before we're going for a drive. So there's there's several different um, re- there's several different reasons to warm up. And uh, one is the physical, um, you know, for to warm up your muscles, warm up the tendons and ligaments to kind of prepare them for the race. So if they're warmer. They have more elasticity in them, which then allows you to um, do the race with less chance of injury. The second reason would be like physiologically to prepare the body for the the systems it's going to use. So if you go from zero to try to go to race pace, it's a massive jump. So what you want is you want to gradually increase the heart rate, get the the lungs burn. breathing a little bit heavier and we'll talk about this like one of the specific things that they found was if you add one one little part to your warm-up that's not hard it reduced the time for you to get up to your max vo2 max from 30 to 40 seconds to six seconds now that's Hmm. mental or that's that's a lot because not only is it physiologically good it'll also get us for the next one which is mental preparation so one Mm -hmm. if you if it's taken you 40 seconds to get back up to the breathing rate that you should well then like it's hard it's it's easy to panic in a race when you're like oh my god i'm I'm trying to catch my breath we're running Mm -hmm. so hard whereas like if it only takes you six seconds to get into the the um the swing of it it's a lot easier and then lastly is that mental preparation you know if it's a big race if it's um, something you're unsure of. It's just great to have a kind of routine that you're used to doing that kind of gets you in the zone for the race. So those kind of the mental, the um, the muscular musculature to help prevent injury, and then the physiological responses will be the reasons that we would do a warm up. Okay. Well, you know, most people listening to the show are endurance runners. So we're not going up to our VO2 max, at least not until the very, very end of a race. So why would it be important that that whole process happens faster? Well, again, while you're not, you're not going to go to your, say, max VO2, you are going up towards that percentage. So there is, there is a, there is some percentage that you want to have that jump. And you said, uh, what was it? The first mile is a liar or what was that? Yes. The mer- the first mile is a liar. Yeah. That's a phrase that I use all the time. Yeah. It, I mean, it basically means so many people go out for their run and I'm not even talking about races, just, you know, normal three, five mile run. And, oh, I feel terrible. I feel stiff. Um, you know, something's off. And I say, never judge your run on the first mile because for the most part, most people are not really warming up. And that first mile is is their warm-up. So ignore everything that goes on in your body and your mind in the first mile and just see how you feel when that one is done. Yeah, I actually love that advice, especially for a run. You know, you are stiff, you're generally warming up. But if you are doing a marathon, um, you don't want that one mile in. You know, if you, you're preparing for this, probably specifically at least 12 weeks, if not 16. So, you know, if I had a um, like obviously I do, I do sports Pilates. If I told you, well, look, the first week's not going to be great. 
because we're going to ease into it. You're going to be like, here, you're paying for this course. Right. <laughs> so it's the same. We want that all 26 miles are, are at, are at a good standard. So when, by warming up, even for a marathon, it allows you, it allows your body to get into race pace a lot easier and allows the muscles to adapt. Because as you said, we've all had it where we've, we've started a run or even, even a workout where if we didn't have as much time, you do feel stiff and that's fine because, um, you know, if, if the workout, you can ease into it, but if it's a, if it's an important race, it's important that you've given yourself the best chance so that you're starting well and then you can finish well. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's, that's why for the longer races, I know people think all oh, ease into it, but if it's a big race and most races are like, they're kind of like, um, parts of times in our schedule that we're really trying to like peak. So, you know, not, not preparing by doing like even 10 or 15 minutes of work beforehand is giving yourself a severe disadvantage. Well, let's talk about the different kinds of warmups for the different kinds of races and runs. So the way you warm up for a marathon is not going to be the same as the way you would warm up for the 5k and certainly not anything shorter than that. Would you agree? Yeah, uh, the 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 structure will be the same. How much how much running you would do um, will be different. Obviously, say for five k's for five k runners, you still kind of want to keep up. Yeah, five k's only three miles, so you still want to keep up your mileage a little bit, even if it's an important race. So you'll generally do a two mile warm up and a two mile cool down. And I know some people will do more with a marathon. You're doing twenty six miles or or a half marathon. So you might only run for like 10 minutes, mm-hmm. but it will all start with some kind of elevation of the heart rate. Actually, I tell a lie. If you're, if you're driving to a race, like many of us are, bring a, bring a lacrosse ball or a hockey ball or a foam roller. Say if you have sore knees, just before you even start, once you get out of the car, like you you'll have certain areas i know for myself my hips will be tight after being in the car so i'll just try find an area somewhere where i'll just hockey ball my hips just for like one or two minutes just ease out those um tension spots or i might just stretch my hip flexors then then you're going to go into your your warm-up and from from i've run from like 400 meters up to 10 miles is the the longest I've done competitively I've done I've done like a 15 minutes for 10 miles but I've never done a half marathon or marathon but I would recommend people do some sort of um run there easy like you're just running easy people would be worried sometimes well I'm doing 26 miles say if it's a marathon um and like I don't want to be doing extra mileage but the pace you're doing is so slow you're mm-hmm. you're you're not burning like carbs here you're only like burning into fats and then maybe a tiny bit of carbs this is not going to affect the race performance at all and as i said in fact we'll probably get more out of the first mile we'll probably feel more relaxed which allows to get a better performance so it's a jog initially and then i would do some like static stretching i know it's slightly uh, <laughs> yeah um it's like maybe only holdings for like 10 seconds for the different muscle groups uh, then I would do some potentiation. So I'll do some like high knees, some bum kicks and some side to sides that could be left out if you wanted for a marathon. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily leave it out. Um, and I will do dynamic stretching on the way back, 
holding each spot. So like, you know, bending the knees and stretching the calves after the high knees, hamstrings, and then quads, stretch my quads after I've done bum kicks. If you are doing bum kicks, keep the knees out in front rather than flick behind because that just teaches you good running mechanics. So, mm. you know, in normal day to day, we've talked about before the importance of variation. Um, this is just a good way to improve your running stride nearly like uh, by not even thinking about it or not even having to add something massive to your week just by doing a couple of these drills. Um, and then I would recommend everybody to do one stride about 10 minutes out if it's a big race could be five minutes out one stride for 30 seconds at race pace now that will differ because 30 seconds at 5k pace is a lot faster than 30 seconds at marathon pace sure but but the idea being you're essentially getting your breathing rate ready for the race that's going to occur mm, i like and that and then I like that. for the 5k you'll do two or three shorter strides because um and you might do some like jumping on the spot so bringing like knees to your chest as you do some kind of pogo jumps just to really kind of fire up that nervous system because you're going to have to be running quicker so for the 5k you'll do some quicker strides even for 10k you would do some quicker strides with like a walk back now because remember we don't want to be out of breath once once the once the system is activated it's it's very it's easy to just go back up so don't think you need to be coming in doing a stride going to the line try once you've done that longer stride 10 to 15 minutes out now it should be more about like just relaxing taking sips of my water you know making sure i'm feeling comfortable and if you're unsure on a warm-up start earlier and if you have to sit down stretch your legs that's fine. Once you've been warmed up, you towards the end you can just be kind of sitting around a little bit. Okay. So so part of the warm up is actually physically getting warm, getting all the yes. blood and fluids moving faster through the body. And the other part of it is basically preparing your uh, brain to talk to your legs, right? Yes. Uh, that's neuromuscular. Yeah. Okay. You want to talk about that? Well, that's exactly that's that you've, you've actually summarized that really well, Claire. It's that idea of getting the nervous system in tune. So one part is physiological. It's like getting all the systems like the heart, the lungs, like woken up. And essentially those, if you think of a factory, those things like all the big engines moving and getting ready for production and then the second thing is as you said the brain connected to the muscles to try start firing the muscles more so that when you're doing it then in a race um it, they've already they've already activated and in the shorter distances like a 5k or like a 10k it is relatively fast so doing one stride at race pace will get you your your you're breathing heavy after like say six or 30 seconds, just walk or jog back, take some water, you know, you just make sure your shoes are tied, but then you want to do like three kind of like hundred meter strides or 70 to hundred meter strides after that, or the high knees as well. And what you're trying to do is like recruit more, they're called muscle motor units. So you don't use hundred percent of your muscles, but we're trying to 
let's just say for round numbers, recruit more of those muscles, muscle units. So say we recruit 90% of those. We'll only need 70% in a race, but because there's 90 recruited and we've kind of got that activation, when we start a race then, it doesn't actually feel as hard. So it allows us to kind of relax into the pace that we're meant to be running much more than if we hadn't done anything, the gun goes, everybody goes off fast anyway. And it's easy to panic in a race. And as you said, it could be a mile in before you start really, your breathing settles. And even that nervousness of, oh my God, this is going to be a terrible race. I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling good here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the activation point, I think is something that um, people don't grasp that concept. You know, what do you mean? My muscles aren't activated. I'm going for a run. I'm using my muscles. Of course they're activated. And then later on down the road, you know, we get calf cramping we get, you know, wobbly form. We get all sorts of things happening. So, you know, act, I love the way you described it. You were actually trying to activate individual fibers, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, no, that's perfect. really well put. And I, I love the thing of like, it's that brain muscle connection. Like obviously mm-hmm. this is subconscious, but if you thought about it that way, you'd get the justification for doing this stuff. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay. So I think, I think it's pretty clear why we need to warm up for races. Lots going on for the races, but what about, you know, my, my three mile run? Do I need to like do anything before that? Can I just go for a run? I would probably say yes. You know, like time is a big, a big issue. You know, in our, in our week, we really should probably have three things. We should have one kind of workout during the week, one workout, depending on your schedule. If you have a lot, if you have kids, Saturdays might be great. So it might be like a Tuesday, Friday, long run Sunday, or maybe with work Saturday and Sunday, are good days. So we might have a, a workout Wednesday, workout Saturday, long run Sunday for the, for other runs and the long run, I would think, as you said, that first mile is a liar is a great thing. Take it that you're going to be feeling stiff and sore. Don't try force it. Just go out. Your first mile might be slower. Um, like it's funny. I know with Kenyans, my friend has just come back and like real elite Kenyan athletes, they will cut a run short and cut a workout short if the mile beforehand is slower than the the if the the mile they do now is slower than the mile they had previously done. So he was mm. doing a workout. It was like eight by a k. They went way too quick on the first two k's. Uh, two by a k. They you know say for rough numbers they were trying to go three minutes. It was quicker than that, but three minutes they went say two fifty and two fifty, and then the next one they were like struggling. They hit like two forty nine. The next one, they hit 254 and then session was done because, yeah, yeah. Because they're like, well, look, the form is gone. So don't don't try force that going out the door of your easy runs. Let your body release. Like the key for any running is consistency. So you might feel like, well, I'm not getting the benefit of the first half mile. Look, if you get three miles because you've warmed up correctly and then you can go out for another three mile run or a four mile run. Over time, that's going to work out so much better than trying to force from the from the start a pace that doesn't feel right.
Hey everyone, we will get back to our conversation in just a moment. Have you noticed that the Planted Runner is completely ad-free? I don't know if I can stay that way forever, but how cool would it be if I could? This podcast is made possible by the athletes that choose to work with me as their coach and by those who purchase custom training plans from me. So if you get value from the work I do here on the Planted Runner, why not take it to the next level with a custom training plan for your next race made just for you by me? My plans include all your running, strength, mobility, and more. You'll also get access to my exclusive mental strength course, along with training and nutrition tips. You can choose an eight-week strength or speed session if you're in between races, or get a full 14-week marathon plan for your next race. It's truly custom, so it's really up to you. Prices will be going up at the end of the year, so get yours early at theplantedrunner.com slash plans. That's theplantedrunner.com slash plans. Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures. One thing that I wanted to admit to everybody is, you know, when I was doing some super long runs, what I would often do, because I don't really like warming up, I'll just say it. <laughs> so yeah, what yeah, I yeah. so what I would do was go out for my run and there was a nice spot about a mile and a half away from my house. And I would stop at a mile and a half because I felt pretty good by then. And then I would be doing some leg swings, some drills and oh, and then nice. and then go for the rest of my run because I just couldn't be bothered to be doing it at my house. And, and I also don't like the cold. So <laughs> I don't like standing a, outside in the cold doing warm ups, you know, doing drills. So I but wait that's a better until way to do it, Claire, because oh, you've yeah? got your, you've got your body. You always, for any, any warm up, it doesn't matter if it's run, always do some kind of easier jog and then do the drills. Cause as you said, your muscles are warmer, like drills, especially if you're doing drills, they're actually harder. You're going through a, a larger range of motion than just running. So mm -hmm. there's a slightly increased chance of injury with those compared to just running. So that's the perfect way. That would be for a long run like that. Someone would do two miles, maybe stretch and then go on. Mostly, I would just say for a long run, even I wouldn't bother with a warm up if I was doing. I do think for marathons, though, I think people should be on two week cycles. They shouldn't just be doing one week. And mm -hmm. one of the so say on Sundays or long run, I'd have a one just a traditional longer run that you gradually build up and then the second week i would do some sort of workout in the long run but i wouldn't even stretch stretch if you wanted and warm up but generally what you would do there is maybe do like 40 minutes of easy running and then get into the actual workout which might be like say a mile at marathon pace a right. mile steady by five so maybe go five by five minutes on five minutes off and like a mile cool down and it's just mm -hmm. a good way of, especially for a marathon, getting used to um, being doing like marathon pace on like tired legs, like what you're going to have to get used to. So, yeah, you could stop before that and do a little bit of stretching. But on the Wednesday and on the Saturday, doing a warm up is important. 
one, as you said, you're going to be increasing the pace compared to normal. So there's an increased chance of injury. And second, we talked before about the importance of variation, that if you're just constantly doing the same like stride, same pace, one, you're not going to get the, you're, you're very quickly going to like plateau on how much benefit you see because your body gets used to that. And then two, because you're using the same range of motion, you are more predisposed to injury. So mm-hmm. by adding some drills and some stretches, at least twice a week, you're kind of stretching your body. You're doing high knees. So you're lifting your knees because like look around, how often are people, their knees don't even come up because they're, because they're going so slow. They're just kind of like, you know, plodding along. It's like their jog pace. So by just lifting your knees for like 20 meters and then doing some like hamstring stretches on the way back and then kicking the heels to your bum while keeping your knees out in front, it's stretching the quads. It's moving more at the hips. Just do side to side. So you like turn to the side and you click your feet together, like kind of like a groin stretch. Do Mm -hmm. that 12, turn and do another 12. And then just doing like two or three strides. One, it makes the, the workout so much easier because again, you've got your breathing right. But two, the stride would be quicker than the, the workout you're going to do. And again, that's increased the range of motion. It's caused that activation that we talked about before, you know, got that recruitment going. And it's just a lovely way of like, one, having a better workout and two, keeping the body injury free. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that because part of it is, like you said, making that particular workout go better, but it's also habit formation. You know, when, when we, when we do one good thing, if we add something else to it, we're more likely to do both of those things. So, you know, I tell people, if you can do a few drills before every run, great, because you can sneak in your lunges, you can do a few, you know, squats, you can do, you know, you're, you're stacking your habits on top of of each other. And instead of being like, okay, I've done my run, I need to do a drill session, or I need to do this or that, you know, if you just do a few little things before, and sometimes after a, a, a run that you're already going to do, you're more likely to do it, you're more likely to adhere to all the little things that we keep telling you to do as coaches. <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100%. There's two things to that. It's like if it's snowing outside, you can take a brush every hour, and sweep it away or you can take a shovel if you've left it for a whole day and it's the same like we I do my sports pilates it's 45 minutes a week that's kind of like the shovel like so if people don't do stuff it's try to reset but if you were adding a few lunges or squats or little drills you're keeping enough variety in there that it's gonna it's gonna help you and then if you do have additional like niggles or injuries you might need to look at something a bit more prescriptive but it's such a great start to add, mm-hmm. as you said, a couple of things in. And the secondly, like you said, I, I have people who ask, is it better to do drill before or after or say with Pilates? I just had a, a client. I did it after my run. I'm like, just do it whenever suits you, because doing it is like 95 percent of the benefit. Mm-hmm. Same. So if you like when you're in a workout mindset, you might be changing your your uh, trainers anyway. It's easier just to be like, oh, yeah, I'll just do some strides now before we start. Whereas you said, when you're in a run, you might, might not be in that headset, but it's still good in a run. We, I meant, we mentioned this before. Maybe just pick it up in a run for like 15 seconds 
and then drop down your pace. So that's adding zero extra time to your run, but you've added in some strides. There might be slower strides. They might be as great if you're walking backwards, which would be the best. I know you're, you're an advocate for stopping, which is good. And that's the ideal, but at least sometimes I find that people are asking me like, Oh, what's the best time to do these? Or what's the ideal drills? And I tell them, and then afterwards it's like, oh, how are you getting on with those strides? And they're like, oh, I just didn't have time to do it that way. And it's like, right. so they go from, I either want to do a hundred percent or zero. And it's yeah. like, that's, there's a lot in the middle, you know, I got some yeah, 75% in my exams and I was happy enough, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Per, per, sorry. Perfect gets in the way of good, though. huh? Yeah. That's exactly, that's such a great way. Perfect gets in the way of good. You know, that yeah. that's a brilliant way of saying it. Yeah. So I um, kind of smiled a little bit earlier when you mentioned static stretching. We talked about this the last time we talked, but I think it's important to bring it up now. So static stretching is when you hold a any kind of stretch for longer than really, you know, two or three seconds. You could be considered yeah. a static stretch. So, um, so many people say don't static stretch when you're cold. Don't static stretch before a workout. It inhibits performance. Um, don't you know, the only thing static stretching is good for is flexibility, not mobility. And you kind of have a different take on it. So I would love to hear you talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's to a bigger point that like, uh, I have like a, a PhD, so I do, I do, and I lecture, so I, I'm, I'm into research, but there's such a, a gap. And obviously then I, I run at a high enough level myself and do kind of practical stuff. So but there's such a gap between some of the academics and then some of the practical um, practitioners that the academics, like if you're doing a study, it has to be very controlled. So it can only be this one thing, but it doesn't replicate real life. So all the studies that looked at saying static stretching before competition is bad. And you hear that everywhere. Yeah. Is, is based on studies where, the person had to like say one person didn't static stretch. This other person, now they would do about 30 or 40 in a group. Um, the other person holds a static stretch, touches her toes for like, say, two minutes, <laughs> stands up and then just jumps. So they'd be on a force play and they jump or they might sprint. But mainly it was a jump. Now, like you've done a lot of races, Claire. You've done a lot of marathons. You've tra- coached, a lot of, um, coached a lot of people. Have you ever like on any race or talk to any of your clients and said, you know what? Touch your toes for two minutes, two minutes before the gun goes, stand up and you're going to go on your marks. Bang. No, no, <laughs> no, no one's going to do it that. It doesn't happen. But yet the, but yet the, um, because the research looked at that and they just said, oh, the static stretching is bad. People don't read research or they don't read the methods so only the headline comes out. I saw another one. Now I'm a big fan of naps. I, I know we might have mentioned it before, but it was a thing of like people who nap um, are more likely of dying. Earlier. I saw that. Yeah. Absolute garbage. It was like the people, <laughs> like it was like people who had disturbed sleep at night. So they weren't sleeping were more likely to nap. So it's like, it's not the naps that is, is uh, a disadvantage is that they're not getting a night's sleep right. and then they're tired. So it's like, it, you know, but the headline is don't nap. 
but that's not the it's like get a good night's sleep it should be the headline mm-hmm. um so what you should do we we did a study and there is other studies that, out there so what we did was we did a study where we did static stretching or foam rolling on like areas that are tight generally they're going to be calves and your hips and upper back they're the three areas i would recommend static stretching some people could do it and i only hold for about 10 seconds for each mm-hmm. i do like bent knee calf stretch straight knee calf stretch uh hands to the, my toes for the hamstrings quads pulling my knee to the, uh, my bum um glutes hip flexors then what we did was so one group did static stretching so they all did a warm-up like we said they all did a jog one group then did static stretching, the other group just kind of stood there. Then they all did the, the the potentiation that we were talking about. They did high knees, bum kicks with like a dynamic stretch back. And then they all did strides. And there was no difference in their sprint performance. And the actual the static stretching group actually jumped higher. Uh then mm. not not by not by a lot now, but they actually jumped higher than the the non-static stretch people. And again, look, you could you could argue if we did that again, I think we had about 40 in each group, it might be level, but there was no negative of doing it. And yet this is a good way of making sure, and there was a positive, and you could argue that because the hips were moving better, the ankles were moving better, once you activated the muscles, it at least negates the negative effect of static stretching. So it's just a thing of like, just because you hear something now one it's like i add static stretching into my routine and it's a good way to keep some flexibility in there and it's something i did when i was younger but it's another thing as well like you're you you'd have it you must see this a lot especially with nutrition that it's so hard to quantify certain things in the body like it's it's yes. it's nearly impossible you need to break it down to like one controllable variable, it's called. It is literally nigh on impossible because if I sleep more, you sleep less. Well, do we know, say, that the vegan diet did it or did it not? So it's very difficult to sometimes quantify stuff. And when it is done, it can give you very simplistic answers that are not practical. So always don't just... um assume when you read something that oh yeah well that's all that's the way we do it just question like what works best for you and there there is evidence-based practice for a reason so but just always think like well i don't find that or Mm -hmm. and then you could read the you know you read the study and you can see okay what way are they doing it like that sleep study or like static stretching are just two examples that i came across like recently Mm -hmm. but you would see it loads of nutrition as well Oh, of course. Absolutely. And, and, you know, if people are worried about static stretching, do it after the run. Like this, it's probably not even that important to even argue about, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, as you said, if you find it not helpful, just leave it out. Like I always, I have this with barefoot running. Now I have like orthotics or insoles, Mm -hmm. um, but I also do like say 10 minutes of barefoot running. Just again, I like it for my feet and I'd have people beside me running oh, but would it be this or would it be that? Or, oh, but I, I think a structured approach. I was like, look, buddy, take off your shoes, take off your socks, run for five minutes barefoot, put your shoes back on. If you feel better, don't overdo it. I always used to keep it at 10 right. minutes. I was like, 
but don't overdo it. I had a guy, he was just, he's just a, he's like myself, he's a thinker, but I was like, just take off your shoes. You're going to know in 10 minutes if this is for you or not, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just that thing of like, you know, try it again. It's like, I know obviously with the, the planted runner, I'm sure you have it where people are sometimes asking you about this or that. It's like, here, try this, see if you, if it's for you. Great. If it's not, try something else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, to summarize uh, the whole issue of warming up um, before races, before hard workouts, what would you say are the top three reasons why we should do this? Injury prevention. Um, Physiologically, to get your body prepared for the race or the hard workout, it will just feel a lot easier. And there's, it's called VO2 kinetics that you're essentially like, getting your second wind or open up your lungs. So it's easier for them to go back up to that type of level. And the last thing is um, injury prevention, physiological, and then that neurological, like your body has gone faster. So the, the motor units are more recruited. Perfect. Well, I think that is a great place to wrap it up. Uh, Thank you so much, Owen, for coming on The Planted Runner. I love um, all your insights and your advice and, you know, your proof that it actually works uh, being uh, an older runner, should we say, still, still getting great success. So I really appreciate having you on the show. Great. Thanks, Claire. That absolutely flew. So thanks a million. I really appreciate that. Be sure to check out Owen at Everard Pilates and give him a follow on Facebook and Instagram. And now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Today's topic is alter ego. Did you know that when Beyonce performs, she does not perform as herself? She has an alter ego that she assumes called Sasha Fierce. Sasha Fierce performs with no fear and complete confidence. This is a technique that you can adopt to your running, especially if your normal personality isn't usually a confident take charge fighter to the very end. So use your imagination to really flesh out the personality of a runner that you would like to be. What characteristics does this athlete have? What does this runner do when things get tough? Give your strong, talented, confident runner a name and become the athlete that you want to be next time you toe the line. Like all the mental strength tips that I give, this one isn't something that everyone will resonate with, but it can be transformative for those who really get into it. Thank you so much for listening to the Planted Runner podcast or watching it on YouTube. The ability for me to make this show absolutely depends on the number of listens, downloads, reviews on Apple Podcasts, and ratings on Spotify. So if you've already reviewed, thank you. If not, please take a moment after your run today to give it five stars. Another reminder that I will be adjusting the pricing on my custom training plans by the end of the year. So if you have a spring race on the books and want a truly custom plan from me, get yours made soon at theplantedrunner.com slash plans. That's theplantedrunner.com slash plans. Have a great run today.
Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman.